Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. So today I want to talk about postpartum recovery and also just recovering after any big event, really, like a huge launch that you put on in a business or a major marathon that you run or anything that's huge in your life where you need time to recover. And I want to talk about the themes of how do we plan ahead for recovery and what are our expectations around it? And why is it that we live in a culture where we expect launch cycles to happen where we launch something on a Friday and then we just wake up the next day on a Monday and start full throttle, full force again? Well, it's no wonder that we have a crisis of exhaustion in this country. And in particular, that when I look around the world and I look at mothers, they're exhausted. So today I want to share a little bit more of the personal side of my own postpartum recovery with my first baby and all that goes into it. So heads up, I'm going to share some very specific details about birth and the recovery process. And that means you're going to hear me name anatomy parts and get really specific. So if you want to put on headphones wherever you're listening, uh, just a heads up before we begin. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Life can be really unpredictable, especially when you're getting ready to add a baby to your life. The sponsor of this episode, Aeroflow Breast Pumps, is dedicated to making the hassle of getting your breast pump a little bit easier. Actually, a lot easier. Head to aeroflowbreastpumps.com slash startup to have them help you qualify for a free breast pump through insurance. And stick around because at the end of this episode, I'll walk you through how it works and tell you a little bit more of how Aeroflow Breast Pumps can save you so much time time. As always, hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a minute to leave us a review, we would love that. If you need any of the show notes from the show, head to startuppregnant.com. I want to start by talking about something I find so interesting. And it's how much attention and energy we put into the pregnancy process. And then I think how little attention when we're pregnant, we spend on thinking about what's coming, the birth and after, like after we birth a baby, a birth is really hard, but after we birth the baby, what do we do? And how do we expect things to change? What's going to stay the same? What is going to be different? How are we going to need to adjust our expectations and our behaviors? And what can we do now to plan ahead? My friend, Lindsay, I've mentioned her before. She actually is the one that texted me when I first got pregnant with my first kid. And she said, you know, everyone's always obsessed with reading the pregnancy apps and the pregnancy books and learning all about pregnancy and all the food that you have to eat. She's like, take the time that you have now. And trust me, you have a lot more time than you think. And just start reading parenting books. You're not going to have that much time to read parenting books once the kiddo is here. So read ahead. You have nine months to be pregnant, and you're going to be a parent for the rest of your life. So maybe balance out accordingly how you study each process and each thing. And I found that fascinating and eye-opening because I wasn't taking that approach at all. I was obsessed with pregnancy and how it felt, and it was super hard. I also want to talk to you because I know so many of you are pregnant right now. I know because you've emailed me. You're emailing me and you're telling me that you're three months and you're six months and you're eight months. A lot of you are going to deliver this summer. 
So I wanted to take some time to kind of prep and think about what's coming up ahead with a couple of different episodes on the show. So this one is all about the specific physical and bodily things that are changing. And we are having guests come on like Dr. Shafali Christopher and Lily Nichols to talk about postpartum health and wellness and physical recovery and all of the things that go into it. So if you're currently pregnant, I'm going to get really specific and I'm going to tell you things that I wish I had known. Obviously, from my own experience, your experience may be different, of course. So I don't want to scare you. I just wish that I had known these things. According to an article from NPR, we have a postpartum recovery crisis in the United States. We take a tremendous amount of care of the prenatal woman and basically the vehicle that's taking care or holding the baby. We take a tremendous amount of care there. But once the baby and the woman separate and they become two different beings, it's like a switch gets flipped and the baby gets a ton of attention and the woman, the mother, just floats away into space for a while with no follow-ups and no checkups. It's really scary to me and it's really sad. And it happens a lot of the time at the hospital. You are there for two or three days post-birth and immediately the pediatricians come in and they examine the baby and they check the baby and they administer eye drops if that's what you're doing and they administer all the different things that happen to the baby. And they weigh them and they measure them and they check on them and they make sure they're eating and they send a lactation consultant in. And then you go home, which is a super bizarre experience because you're like, how are you letting me leave with a human. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to put them in the car seat. I don't even know if I've installed the car seat the right way. You expect me to go home and just do this? So it's a super surreal experience where you leave with a human being. And then the infant has a follow-up appointment within two to five days, and then a one week, and sometimes a two week, and then a one month, and then appointments every single month, sometimes more frequently, to measure, to weigh, to do all of the analysis and the examination to make sure they're on a good path and that they're being taken care of. As a mother, you may have one standard 20-minute appointment at the six-week mark. And the joke is that they're clearing you to have sex, which I find hysterical because (laughs) there's no way on earth I was having sex in six weeks. Um, (laughs) Just like, I think I was still wearing Depends. Like I was still bleeding because you bleed for a while. After you give birth, you have the most massive period ever. And it can last, sometimes it lasts like 10 days if it's on the lighter end. Sometimes it lasts six weeks. So I think I was still sitting on ice packs and (laughs) wearing giant pull-up mesh underwear and bleeding and my nipples were sore and I couldn't really sit straight and I was so exhausted. And you go in to have this checkup and they're like, yeah, you're great. And you're like, actually, no, not at all. You are wrong and you are incorrect. And it was hard to get here. But that I'm laughing because I find it comically bad. And you compare it to other countries where they have four to eight physical therapy appointments following up and you have internal examinations to check out how all your muscle strength and tone is coming back together and how your abdominal wall is fitting and how everything feels. So we have an abysmally bad lack of postpartum care in the U.S. Given that as a context, that's going to inform a lot of what I'm sharing with you on this episode. The first thing to consider in the postpartum period is your support. Who is there to help you? There's this idea that if we just kind of push harder, we can kind of do it on our own. And I think the nuclear family is 
very strange. The fact that there's only two adults in one house and then one of them is gone a lot of the time so that the mother is left by themselves to take care of maybe multiple children. It's not the way it's been for most of history. So in terms of support, if you can wrap your head around the idea that the way that we've set up our families in the States is super weird, then start to think about, okay, how can I map out support for people to help me? And that might look like a postpartum doula, somebody whose job it is to come over once or twice a week and check on you. Our doula did postpartum visits and she came over. She actually ended up bringing us bone broth and somebody else brought us seaweed, which is amazing. And she came over and she just sat with me and she spent two hours helping me try again with a latch and try again putting Leo on the breast and then try again and try again and moved him around and then he fell asleep and then we had to try this other thing and then we tried the football hold and it was just this like slow and patient and steady woman next to me helping me figure this thing out. So postpartum doulas can really help. Lactation support, figuring out who can help if you're a breastfeeding mother, who is your support team for figuring out breastfeeding. Breastfeeding can be easy for some people and it can be tremendously challenging for other people. And I found it really helpful to plan ahead and research who I could call on for lactation support. I also thought that it would be really easy for me and it wasn't. And I ended up getting tapped into the local La Leche League group of moms who would just come sit together to breastfeed. And also my doula was a lactation consultant, so we had her come and then we ended up having somebody else come as well to take a look. And we finally at one of our pediatrician's appointments, which is the doctor for Leo, not for me, she was a registered lactation consultant as well. And she said, okay, can you just show me what's going on? And she looked and she looked and she looked. And no one had seen this yet. And we had a condition called Renaub, I think, Renaud snipple, which is when one of the veins like wraps itself around the nipple, I think is the technical term, not the areola, but like around the nipple part. And cuts off blood supply. So when Leo would latch on, he would suck so hard, he would cut off the blood supply to my nipple and my nipple would turn super white and it would feel like I was like in extreme amounts of pain. So not something I really recommend. And we had to work, took probably 10 or 12 weeks to really even get the latch to be correct. And every time he got a latch that was wrong, it felt like somebody was trying to twist my nipple off until it died, which you can imagine, is just a horrible feeling. I was really stubborn in the beginning. I would sit there on the bed and I would shake my toes and I would just be shaking. My feet would be shaking and I'd be like grimacing and like clenching my fists to try to get through it because I was trying to force my way through breastfeeding because I had to do this thing. And my husband, Alex, looked at me. He was like, this is not correct. We need to figure something else out here. Having people who know how to help you with the things that you're trying to do. If you are a formula feeding mother, which, by the way, I think when I was in my 20s, I was inundated with all of the, you know, breast is best and boob is great. And this is like the most nutritious and amazing thing that you can give your child. I was kind of washed into that culture. And of course, the nutritional value is absolutely amazing for the child. However, there are so many other factors that come into play. And you have to look at the entire picture of what it takes to provide the best environment for you and for your child at any given moment in time. And I never really understood that breastfeeding 
was something that took six to nine hours of time every day. And for women that have to go back to work and maybe don't have a supportive work environment or they don't have the time to be able to dedicate nine hours a day to breastfeeding, it's not possible to do this thing and to be a working mother. And I realized for the first time when I went through the experience myself, I was like, oh, oh, formula makes a lot of sense. Like, you got to be able to make money for your family or for any other number of reasons. I'm not going to get into all of that right now. It made so much more sense. And I hate that phrase like, oh, when you become a mom, you'll understand. But I do think there is something to going through the experience and realizing just how complex it is and how every single situation and every single circumstance is different. And I felt some definite shaming when I thought about going to formula from different people. And I was really blown away because I was like, you know what? There's more to it than this. And we've got to just make the best decisions we can make. And if my kid is fed and is growing, that's an amazing, amazing thing. And we're all doing the best we can with what we have. That is something else. Postpartum doula, lactation support. What else? Mothers groups, support groups. I have online support groups. It's one of the reasons why I started Startup Pregnant. We've got our own community and I'm part of like uh, five or six other moms groups online. And I started a local one. We have a meetup at a coffee shop nearby and I've met new mothers in that group. I also signed up for our local yoga studio because they often always have mothers groups and support groups. Family help. Who's coming to help you? Do you have family that can help you? For our first baby, we had our in-laws, my husband's parents came and they lived with us for four weeks during the postpartum period. And then my sister came and lived with us for a separate four weeks. And my partner had a month of paternity leave in the beginning and he stayed home. So I had 12 weeks off. He had four weeks off. And we were home together for about a month, cocooning and figuring out what was going on and what the heck had just happened to us. And then his parents came and stayed with us for a while. And then my sister came and stayed. And I swear, having three or four adults to one newborn, it feels like you tip into the edge of sanity. Like you're like, oh, there's three other adults that could make sure that they are sleeping or getting some food. And yes, I am tethered to you by the rope that is my boobs, but I can go take a shower or a sits bath, which is a wonderful thing. It's like a hot tea bath for your bottom. So it helps you recover if you have a vaginal birth. And it just was so nice to have extra pairs of hands. Obviously, it depends on the dynamic of the people. Are they people that help you? Do you feel relaxed around them? Can you tell them what to do and not worry about it? There may be a learning curve where you are adjusting to not having as many social niceties and not trying to, you know, please people or take care of people while sitting in the room with them. And instead, you're just like, all right, you're here, I'm going to bed. And being able to get up and leave while you're around people and sleep around people, those are all things to consider when you consider having people around to help. Five, so we've done four things so far, postpartum doula, lactation support, support groups, the fourth was family help, and now I'm on daycare. Daycare, we live without family nearby in New York City. So once they left, daycare became our village. You've heard this before in our conversation with Kathleen Shannon about how much she loves daycare and why it's so awesome. But just having those extra hands to help and having it on a regular schedule and having my kiddo be surrounded by other kids was something that was huge for our family and being able to make it work. And whether you use a nanny or an au pair or in-laws or family members or whatever balance you do, being able to get help can make all the difference. And number six was a meal train. 
we set up food deliveries. We actually had someone come and cook for us before we had Leo. And we filled our freezer full of microwavable food that could be cooked in two minutes. And we ordered lots of food. And then people sent us lots of food, which was the hunger of a breastfeeding mother is unparalleled. I think if I got hungry and didn't have food within a couple of minutes, I could pretty much start crying. I'd be like, somebody feed me. I'm so hungry. So food was really important. So those are the big ticket items. And as you can see, I'm talking about how to get help and support. And if you are currently pregnant, thinking through each of these pieces and these components, how am I going to eat? Who's going to help me with feeding the baby? Are there any extra hands I can rely on? And then starting to get creative because if it feels like, oh, I don't have any of these, how can I bring this into my life? Or what's a small amount that I could do? Could I prep food in advance for my own self? You know, could I have a babysitter come a couple of times a week? But what are some of the ways that I can start to build in a big support team for this three to six month period? Going it alone, of course it's possible, but can make it so much harder and so much more challenging. And if you're listening and you've done it and you've been through it and you went through it all alone, bravo. You are amazing. Humans, mothers, you are super human. thing I want to talk about, big picture. The first half of this podcast was all about support and who is there to help you and how can you start to build this village or this community around you for welcoming the new child. The second thing I want to talk about is timing. And I mean timing, like what's the rhythm of the return to your body and the roadmap to recovery? I wish there was a 12-month postpartum recovery roadmap because I feel like a manual like this would be really helpful. Maybe I should make one, but I would need a lot of expert contributors because always I speak from my own experience. And just because I've had one baby doesn't mean I'm the guaranteed medical expert here. But I want something to guide you through recovery and exercise and your expectations for the 12 months post birth. Now, everyone's experience is very wildly, and some people feel really great, and other people take a lot longer. But as you'll hear in our episodes with Lily Nichols and Shafali Christopher, it can really take 12 months or longer to fully heal and repair all of the tissues in your body. My yoga teacher once told me, 10 months on, 10 months off. And that's how long it takes your body to build and recover. And if you have two kids really close in age, like Irish twins, it may take even longer after the second birth for your body to really recover. So factor that in as well. I'll tell you what I remember from my own story and use that as a way to create kind of a guided roadmap for the recovery period with your expectations and where you're headed so you can know what's coming. So first, the first 10 days. Vaginal birth, cesarean, super painful. For me, I had a vaginal birth. I wasn't sure what I was going to have. I was open to all of the options. I had a birth preference plan and I also knew that my mother had done two C-sections and It was a possibility, but I was going to try my best to go for a vaginal birth. I ended up having level three and level four tearing. So lots and lots of stitches, which meant that sitting was out. I could not sit down. I couldn't even sit on one of those rubber tubes. They're called a donut. They're like a circular rubber tube where you sit and then your bottom doesn't actually have pressure on it. Still was super painful. 
So I spent a lot of time lying down and awkwardly propping myself up on pillows. A friend had told me in the month before I gave birth, don't judge everything by the first 10 days. I was taking ibuprofen and Tylenol around the clock. I had Depends. I had ice packs. I was making frozen pads in the freezer. You can order frozen pads. I think I have on the blog, by the way, a postpartum recovery kit. And you can go and I link to all of the different things that I ended up getting that helped. I used lots of warm water baths to help heal. Hot water is so great for healing. It was hard to time it to be able to get 15 minutes to myself to be able to sit down in hot water. When I did it, I was like, oh, this is going to help so much. Water is one of the original healing devices that we have. Water can be incredibly soothing. And hot water and ice can be some of the best painkillers and healing properties that we have, which often go overlooked. So I highly recommend those. So the first 10 days, super painful. But by day 10, I actually felt just sore. So much better. Day zero to day 11, so different, like wildly different. And it's somewhat astonishing how much your body can change in 10 days. So if you feel like you've been, how do I say this? If you've birthed a truck, well, it might not feel that way seven days later. And you're going to just blink and look in the mirror and be like, what? How is this possible? My body is amazing. Now, I haven't had a C-section before, but that recovery can take longer. And there are some women who have written about it on the Startup Pregnant blog about the healing and the recovery time and how much longer it takes for the abdominal muscles because you have major surgery to recover and to heal and what to avoid and what not to avoid. The next major time block is the zero to three month period, which is what can you expect by the end of three months? My goal was to be able to take walks at a decent pace of a couple of miles. I wanted to be able to walk around. But when I started around five or six weeks, I was just walking, I don't know, three quarters of a mile, a mile, and really slowly. And I just built it up and I was able to be walking around again. That was my goal, ease into it, put my baby into a carrier and walk around. I was nowhere close to my pre-pregnancy weight. If we are counting how much weight gain and weight loss, which is a strange thing to account for, I put on 51 pounds and I think I was 25 pounds heavier than my original weight by around the three-month mark. And it was a little frustrating because I was going back to work and I didn't really fit that many clothes. I was still wearing my first trimester and second trimester clothes. Also, your belly is distended for a long time. You don't just zoop, zip your belly back in. I remember just wanting to feel better before going back to work and... That took a minute. That took some time. Months three through six. This is where I was getting back into work. I was getting back into all of the adjustments, learning how to schlep a pump around and pump in the bathroom stall of a really small office because there wasn't a pumping room. And I was ready to get back into light and gentle yoga and flow and feeling my muscles again. I wasn't ready, however, to have sex until six months or so postpartum. Things were just too turned around. I felt like things had turned inside out, if that makes sense. I remember feeling for the first three months like somebody had hinged open my backside from my lumbar spine and just cracked it open and my tailbone had been blasted out. So I was sore and numb for a while on the backside. And then on the front, it felt like somebody had completely mangled all of the different pathways, the urethra and the clitoris and just all of the different channels and parts of the vaginal area 
I couldn't tell you with my brain which one was which. And peeing still hurt a lot. I still had like tough, tender tissue where the scar tissue was. And like sex, I didn't even want to masturbate because I didn't want to touch those areas because they were too tender and sore. So I ended up booking several doctor's appointments to make sure that everything was okay. I was having a ton of pain at the top front area, like right where you pee, and felt like I maybe had a bladder infection. I kept checking to see. We ended up discovering, my doctor was telling me, that all the hormones for breastfeeding was just putting me into a perimenopausal state. It means you're super dry. It means there's no lubrication down in the nether regions. And she ended up recommending a substance, it's called Replens, and you can get it on Amazon or you can get it at the store, and it's a vaginal moisturizer, just lotion for your vagina. It was so awesome. If you've ever used one of those monostat cream things or you've ever used a tampon, you put them in the same way and you put it in every two or three days and it slowly gives you like a moisture bath. And a week later, I had so much less pain. I continued to do all of the hot sits baths, all of the warm water stuff because it felt soothing and it felt like I was able to recover and repair in a lot of these tissues. It also just felt like it took six months to get everything sorted again. Lily Nichols talked about how if you carried a bag around with a bowling ball in it, the bag would stretch out. And the pelvic floor and all the muscles responsible for opening and closing, for tightening and contracting, your abs, those take a long time to recover and heal. I was able to exercise again within four or five months, but I kept it really gentle and I worked my way back up. A mile-ish, jog-ish kind of run thing. And I worked up to about twice a week by the end of six months. And by the time I got to 12 months, I finally felt like I was in the body that I remembered. Like I could pee normally. We were having sex again, which was great. I was doing yoga again. There were still things I wanted to work on. And I was still probably about 13 pounds more than I was two years before, before I had gotten pregnant. But I could see the progress if I measured it in three-month intervals. All of this is to say that when you think about your recovery period, think about it in three-month intervals. If you want something to change, take a minute, give yourself 12 weeks, and give yourself the space to learn. The idea that we only have 12 weeks postpartum to figure absolutely everything out, to recover and heal, to be perfect at breastfeeding, and to be ready to go back to work is actually ludicrous and insane. What's going to happen is you're going to put most of yourself back together and then fake the shit out of it as best you can and get slammed by the fact that everything is different. And you'll make it through because you're a badass and you'll figure it out because you're really smart, but it's going to be super hard. And the thing that I wish someone had told me was that when you're pregnant for those nine months, 10 months, you still have autonomy and agency, you may be uncomfortable, but you still have more time to yourself than when you are a brand new mother. And those 12 months of new motherhood are really intense. They take so much of your time in ways that you aren't expecting. And it can be incredibly hard because you're entering into a world where you've got to recover, take care of yourself, take care of this child, bring this child to life. You're doing it while sleep deprived. People don't understand what you're going through. People aren't very supportive of you. There aren't people to help you or support you through the process. And then there can be just those really awful 
stupid comments that people make like, oh, you're not doing it as fast as you did before. And you're like, of course, I'm not doing it as fast as I'm doing it before. Did you see that I'm keeping a small human alive? Thank you. The good news, however, I wish someone had told me both of these things. Number one, give yourself 12 months. There's a reason that all these other countries in the world have six to 12 months of parental leave time paid, but also it will get easier and you will feel better. You will feel like yourself again. You will be able to recover. There will be a lot of freedom and opportunity for you. You will settle into patterns that work. The last year where my kid was between one and two have been amazing, have been really, really wonderful. I breastfed until he was almost two, but there comes a point where you're only doing it morning and night. So the day is yours again. I remember when I switched from nursing bras to my regular bras from way back when, I actually had to get a bigger bra because my boobs were still bigger. And I was like, I'm wearing a bra that doesn't clip down. I can wear a dress that looks good. And it was amazing. We settled into a rhythm as a family who did mornings, who did nights. We gave each other more free time. I was able to go to events again. We were getting regular sleep. So those first 12 months can be such a doozy. And it's going to be different or it's not going to be this way forever. So my recommendations, go slow and steady. Give yourself more space rather than less space. Things take 12 months to recover from. Motherhood is harder than being pregnant. So if you are currently pregnant and you're planning like, oh, once I'm pregnant and the baby's here, then we're going to do all these things, I am gently and kindly suggesting that you give yourself a reframe and more space and more gentleness to ease into the situation. One friend of mine said, if you can, throw money at it, which I know is kind of a privileged position, but I've heard people do it from all different points of view. Danielle Laporte was on the show and she was like, you know what? I lived off credit cards for the first two years and I just did it and I made it work and I recovered. And to some extent, if you need food, pay for the food. If you need this, do what you can to get through it because it's not forever. So there are times in our life where it makes sense to be like, you know what? I'm just going to get this. I'm going to get the help and we'll sort it out later. Of course, if that causes you more stress and doesn't make your life easier, don't do it. Ignore my advice as always. Integrate it into your own experience. And nothing works without sleep. There's a lot, a lot of women going this solo and bearing the burden of all of the sleep deprivation and even going so far as to say, well, I'm the one who needs to get up all night because my partner works. And we did that for a short while. And then once I had to go back to work, we had to switch. And on the weekends, Alex gave me six hours of continuous sleep. I would skip a feeding where he would get up at 3 a.m. and I would sleep from 12 to 6 because it is just really hard to function if you're not getting enough sleep. You know that phrase, if it's not working, have you tried powering it off and restarting it? So if you get to the nine month or the 12 month mark and you're not feeling like yourself again, and you've been to a doctor and you've checked for postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, I'm skipping over those. I haven't touched on them much in this episode because I'm assuming kind of a, a normal level of fatigue, but know that postpartum depression is something we've talked about and happens. If you're not feeling like yourself, go get checked out. But if you feel just a little sluggish or slow or unmotivated, sometimes for me, my only goal for an entire quarter, 12 weeks, is to get more sleep. And the only thing I do is I clear stuff from my calendar and I put naps on my schedule and I try to get in bed at seven, eight or nine. And I'm like, this is going to be a boring quarter because I just need more sleep. 
It's not very satisfying as a type A person, but I'm in it for the long run. I want to be here and I want to be making stuff for years and years. So grinding myself into the ground and pushing through one more thing, it's not going to work all the time, especially as I get older and especially as I have more kids. So thanks, everyone. This was a longer episode. I wanted to dive in and tell you a little bit about my story with the postpartum journey and share my experience, especially for all of you new moms who are about to become new moms and you're thinking ahead. In the first half of this episode, we talked about support, who you have around to help you, doula, lactation consultants, mother's groups, support groups, sign up for them now, go to prenatal yoga classes, if not to do the yoga just to meet the other mommies, family help, paid help, daycare, meal trains, food deliveries, all of that. What's your support system look like? The second half of this episode, we talked about timing and how it's really important to remember that things are seasonal and it can take 10 weeks, 12 weeks, six months, nine months, a year for things to change. And so if you're in the thick of it, and it takes a little bit of time for it to change, know that it may not change by tomorrow and it may not change by next week, but every quarter things start to turn just a little bit with the seasons. Thanks as always for listening. If you have more advice or you really resonated with this episode, feel free to send us a note. We've got our email address or go leave a comment on the blog for this podcast episode. We have a blog post for every podcast episode over on startuppregnant.com. And then we also have really great conversations in our Facebook community group. Thanks again, everyone. And I'll see you on the next episode. All right, everyone, just a reminder that if you want to learn more about the mastermind we're putting together for Startup Pregnant, it's an amazing community support space for women to connect with each other about entrepreneurship and parenting. We're doing the beta round this summer, so you can find out a lot more about the program over on our website, startuppregnant.com slash mastermind. Get your name on the list so that I can send you information about it because we're putting together a small pilot group for a group of women this summer. We would love to have you there. I promised at the beginning of the episode to tell you a little bit more about the pumping journey and about how Aeroflow Breast Pumps works. They are the sponsor of this episode. So for all of you breastfeeding and pumping mamas, here is the info that you wanted. Aeroflow Breast Pumps makes the process of getting a breast pump covered through your insurance as easy as possible. They have dedicated and informed breast pump specialists to help you navigate insurance by taking care of the paperwork, the phone calls, and the prescription requests so that you can take it easy. They're available by phone, text, or email to answer any questions you have during this exciting time in your life. One of the trickiest things is the timing of everything. A lot of insurance plans only allow you to get a pump within 30 days of your due date. Let me tell you, figuring out when that baby is going to arrive and then getting everything done within these exact timeframes can be really hard. They take care of everything, including contacting your physician for a prescription, recommending the best breast pump options for you and your lifestyle, billing and processing those insurance claims, and shipping the breast pump to your door free of charge. The entire process is totally free. So if you want to work with them to get your breast pump, go to aeroflowbreastpumps.com slash startup, and they will get you started right away. Thanks for being a sponsor of Working Pumping Mamas, Aeroflow Breast Pumps. 
And you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs. And I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you.